0: Well, good morning hope church it's great to be with you this morning whether you're here in person or or uh, online Uh, we appreciate it you know we've been going through uh, the lord's prayer this example of praying that uh, jesus gave us as ways that we can connect with god and things we can talk to him about that that connect and and help grow our relationship with god and change our hearts uh, at the same time the first week we looked at adoration our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Last week, uh, Pastor Mark talked about surrender, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next phrase of the Lord's Prayer is, give us today our daily bread dependence. Now, if you're one of those cosmic order people, you know, kind of like me, like when I'm playing cards with my friend and one of them missed deals, I'm like, cosmic order, man. You just blew it. Cosmic order. Like if you're one of those cosmic order people where if things aren't in order, you kind of have a little meltdown. Uh, I invite you to go to the cafe right now, uh, grab some coffee, just feast on some of the food there because things are going to be a little out of order. <laughs> We're not going to cover that because of some scheduling things. We We had to flip things. So today... We're going to cover the third and the next phrase. Forgive us our debts, our sins, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Confession. You know, probably like many of you, I grew up saying the Lord's Prayer. You know, and I would just rush through as quickly as I could. It meant nothing to me. I didn't draw draw closer to God, and I wasn't changed because it it was not genuine. There was never a genuine, especially this phrase, you know, just zip pie it. It wasn't a genuine confession. It wasn't real. So it meant nothing for me. So this morning, I want to answer two questions, address two questions. First of all, what does a genuine confession include? Like, if you want to be genuine when you pray this prayer and have it mean something, What should you be thinking about what you, you should be dwelling on what should you focus on as you're talking to god about your sins so i invite you to turn with me to psalm 51 which for me is probably one of the most thorough and genuine confessions found in the bible given by david after he failed miserably as a follower as king of israel This psalm gives us insight into seven ingredients of a genuine confession. And I want you to know this outline was borrowed and adapted a little bit by a book by Ken Sandy titled The Peacemaker. You know, Deanna and I read this book numerous times in our marriage. They had a series for kids called The Young Peacemaker. Highly recommended that we would use with our kids in teaching them about relationships, being a peacemaker you know what in any relationship over time sin will always try to destroy sin will always try to destroy and that goes with our relationship with god sin always tries to destroy so how can we talk to god on a regular basis about confession Second thing is this, you know, if you're a Christian, you may say, you know what? Hey, I, I prayed, you know, and and doesn't the Christian faith say that the moment you invite Christ in your heart, you ask him to be your savior, right? You confess your sins, that not only are your sins that you've committed, but that you will commit, that they're, they're all covered by the blood of Christ. So why do I need to keep talking to God about my sin? We'll try to address that as we go along as well so seven ingredients of a a genuine confession psalm 51 follow along as i read have mercy on me O god according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I know my transgression my sin is always before me against you you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge surely I was sinful at birth sinful from the time my mother conceived me surely you desire truth in the inner parts you teach me wisdom in the inmost place cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not have pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered in your altar. The first ingredient of a genuine confession is that to appeal to God's grace. That we appeal to God's grace. Look at how David begins the psalm. Have mercy, mercy, O God, according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion. As David approaches God, he does not appeal to the fact that he was the king of Israel. God, your king is here. He doesn't appeal to the fact that he defeated Goliath, the great enemy of Israel. He doesn't appeal to the fact that he wrote many psalms that led people into worshiping God. None of that meant anything. He appeals to that which every single human being and every one of us here today can appeal to, the character of God. In the Old Testament, when God passed in front of Moses, he proclaimed this eternal truth, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You know, this is one of the most quoted verses throughout the Old Testament. Speaking of God's character, in the New Testament, through Jesus, we know that God showed us that out of his mercy, he was willing to pay the debt of our sin so that we would not be separated from him forever. Out of his mercy, he was willing to pay that debt. And so David appeals to God's mercy. You know, every other religion in the world rejects the idea of grace. They say you have to do things to try to appease your deity, your God. You know, whether it's the, the ordinances of the Mormon church or the re- reincarnation cycle of Hinduism, the Eightfold Path of Buddhism, they all come up with a self-help way of trying to restore the relationship with God. Only the Christian faith dares to suggest that God offers a relationship and forgiveness through his mercy and his grace seen in the sacrificial act of Jesus. So whether it's your first time approaching God in prayer and in confession or whether you've done it numerous times, we don't appeal to God on what we've done. I don't appeal to God the fact that I've been a pastor for 30 years or, or or whether you've given to the church or whether you've served the church. We appeal to God because of His mercy. And you know what? I need to do that regularly. I need to talk to God about all His sins and be reminded what kind of God He is, that He is a compassionate, forgiving God merciful God. Because Satan wants to, for me to think, oh no, God's not going to forgive you this time. God says, nope, not again. No, He is a merciful God. Secondly, a genuine confession acknowledges its sin. Look at verses 2 through 4. David says, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, cleanse me from my sin you know this psalm flows at a time where King David failed miserably that he led Bathsheba into adultery and then had her husband killed so that he could have her and he was trying to hide his sin until Nathan the prophet confronted him the question is what would David do then what do you and I do when we are confronted with our sin most often, we, we like to make excuses, you know, don't we? You know what? I'm having a bad day. Or we like to downplay it. It was just a mistake. Or we like to blame others. You know, it was their fault. You made me do it. and this past weekend, I was driving to Des Moines to deliver a crib that I made for our daughter. And, you know, I, I was in the left-hand lane because a bunch of us were trying to pass these two trucks, right? And trying to have a you know at least a safe distance between me. Well, I see this guy coming up on the right side, right? Just barreling, and I thought, there's no way. I mean, there's no room. Like, there's what does this guy do? He's barreling, and if I was gracious, I probably would have slowed down. But I, you know, I kept my speed. I think there's no way. I mean, he swerved right in front of me. I'm talking inches in front of my bumper. I'm like, ah. I responded, (laughs) but it was it was his fault, right? I mean, I yelled. I yelled pretty loud in my car, you know. <laughs> some of it, yes, righteous anger, right? Some some of it is, but uh, there was a lot that wasn't very righteous. I started thinking of things I wanted to do to him, <laughs> you know, involving my, my hands around his neck. <laughs> or, or you know, if I had a torpedo gun right on his tire, pew, you know, started thinking thoughts. But, you know, he made me do it. He came out of the anger of my own heart, my own sin. Sometimes we like to sweep it under a rug and do damage control. That's what David tried to do. He kind of reflects on this in Psalm 32. When I kept silent, my bones wasted through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Because you can't get away from God. He knows. And you know that he knows. And the guilt that's there. My strength was sapped as in the heat of su- summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You know, in this verses, David uses three three words for sin. There's actually a number of them in the Old Testament that try to capture the depth and the breadth of our sin. There's a word that captures the idea of rebellion, that we have rebelled against God, which is a great follow-up from last week. It's when we don't pray, thy will be done, right? When we don't want God's will to be done, that we think we can do it better. I think my way will make me more happy. I don't care what God says. Rebellion. There's a word that means twisted out of shape, that we like to twist God's law just enough to justify our sinful desires There's an idea, a word that that means uh, perversity or, or crooked. You know, some of us maybe remember one of our previous presidents saying, I am not a crook, right? But the fact is that we are all crooked. We all do crooked things. There's an idea of missing the mark, a word that means to miss the mark. It's the idea of a bullseye and an arrow and that you're shooting and the mark is God's glory. That's his will for your life. And when you shoot, we shoot and we miss, Maybe a little by a couple inches. Maybe by a couple feet. Maybe some of us can't even find our arrow, right? Because we missed it so bad. But we all miss it. This is captured in Romans 3.23 when Paul says, For all have sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God. There's a word that means to go past. And some of you may even have a sign in your yard, no trespassing. In other words, you can come up to this, but no farther. And what God's laws and his commands do were where God was saying, here, you go up to here, no, no farther, because I love you and I care about you. And I know that sin destroys, so come up here. And yet some of us, we, you know, we avoid the line. There's the line, we avoid it. You know, but some of you may come up to the line, right? Maybe even lean over the line. But most of the time, we pass the line. We trespass. God has put up a lot of signs to protect us out of his love. Whether it's with our words, our actions, our inactions, whether it's the attitude of our hearts, our thoughts, sin separates us from God. Even as believers, our sin can cause a disruption of our fellowship with God. How long or how deep depends on whether or not we say this prayer on a regular basis and mean it i believe it's important for us to to own our sin and even name it name it to god to speak it we need to hear ourselves speak it right what we did have you ever had someone apologize and i'm sorry and you say well for what i don't know i'm sorry right what if they would say something like you know what i'm sorry you say for what i'm I'm sorry because I know the words that I spoke were harsh and I know that I hurt you. Isn't that more meaningful? Don't you think that is, they're genuine instead of just saying, I'm sorry, you know, for what? Maybe I got caught. I'm sorry for maybe things are a little uncomfortable between us. No, I'm sorry for what? To speak it specifically what we do wrong. Because the more we can speak it and we hear ourselves speak it, the more I think it gives us strength the next time to hopefully, with God's grace, to avoid it, to have strength against it. Third, a genuine confession affirms the hurt that it causes. In verses 4 to 6, David says, Against you I have sinned, and certainly it wasn't just that he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against her husband. But he acknowledges, God, I know that I've sinned against you in this. And that you are justified when you judge. Surely you desire truth in my inner parts. You you teach me wisdom so that I can live out of that wisdom. And yet, God, I have forsaken all of that. Not only did he break God's law, but he broke God's heart when he did that. God hates sin because of what it does to us. Because of the destruction that it brings that David had done just the opposite of what God longed for in his life in Ephesians 4 Paul says that when we sin we grieve God's Spirit the Spirit that has been given to us to make us holy to long for holiness to be courageous in holiness and yet we go against him Paul says we grieve the Holy Spirit during the time of king josiah they found a copy of the bible you see they had lost it for a number of years so they found the bible and they began to read it and they realized how they had been sinning against god and so josiah is king he took his royal robe and he ripped it right and he repented for not only himself for his people And God had already made plans to bring judgment upon his people, discipline upon them. But he said this to Josiah. Listen to these words carefully. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord. And because you tore your robes and you wept in my presence. I have heard you, declares the Lord. You will be buried in peace. God says, I've heard that you are genuine. That you acknowledge the harm that had been done. And so I need to come to God on a regular basis. And I need to also confess and acknowledge the harm that I've done. Because it helps me not to become casual or comfortable with my sin. To speak those words to God as i grow in, in becoming more like christ hopefully in cultivating his heart to know that jesus hates sin that should be a growing in my heart as well when i consider what jesus became on the cross for me that he became my sin Fourthly, a genuine confession asks for forgiveness. You know what? Saying your story is a step, but there's there's another step. We need to say, "Will you forgive me?" Because we are indebted to that person now. Forgive us our debts. We are indebted because of what we've done to them, and they need to release us from that debt through their mercy. Giving us forgiveness. And so we need to pray to God, God, will you forgive me? In verses 3 to 4 and then 7 through 9, David uses again a number of Hebrew words to capture the idea of forgiveness, to wipe or to blot out, to thoroughly wash, to, to clean is not to contaminate anything else, to continue to offer or ask God for forgiveness. Why do we need to continue to ask? Because haven't we already been forgiven, right? Well, a husband was having a conversation with his wife, and the husband says to his wife, Honey, what's the matter? She says, You never tell me you love me. He says, Come on, honey. I told you I loved you 35 years ago when we got married, and that if anything changes, I would let you know how would that work in your marriage? Okay. And in any growing relationship and loving, healthy relationship, we need to express love often because you know what? Life gets in the way sometimes, right? Life happens. And the same thing in a healthy and growing relationship with God, talking to God about our sin on a regular basis, keeps the relationship healthy and close, that we are continuing to pursue after God. What it says to God is, God, the forgiveness that I asked for way back here, God, I'm still asking for it. God, I still cherish it. God, I still want it. God, I still, I don't want the sin in my life to come between us. Unconfessed sin can become dangerous for the soul fifth a growing uh, a genuine confession accepts the consequences in verse four and eight david says you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge let the bones that you have crushed rejoice you see david was forgiven by god but that doesn't mean that he was now all free from all the consequences of his sin i mean sometimes yes god does spare us right He spares us the consequences of our sin so often, but but not always. Sometimes we put things in motion and that God, even because he is gracious, lets those things continue to happen so that we will be reminded how devastating our sin can be. Right? So when Nathan came to David, he says, the son that you have now conceived out of your immorality he's not going to survive his child died within a week not only that but david's family now would experience great turmoil probably them seeing what their father did just caused a ripple effect in their lives and so there was consequences that david experienced in his home because of this God wants to continually remind us that sin is deadly and destructive. And so he didn't pout because of it. He didn't get bitter and angry. God, he cherished the fact that God had forgiven him and knew that he had to deal with the consequences of his sin. Six, a genuine confession allows God to change you. when we've seen the mess that we've made, when we understand the depth of our sin against the holiness of God and His will, when we know that we have hurt others and we've hurt God, as God begins to work in us, there should be a desire, a growing desire of repentance that we want to be different. God, I don't want to be the same person that does this again. God, I don't want to be known by this sin. God, I don't want to be in the grip of this sin anymore. And so David, as he prays, His genuine confession in verses 10 through 12. Basically what he's saying over and over again is, God, change me. God, work in me. He says, create in me a pure heart. God, a heart that will not be tempted into sin and do this again. God, renew a steadfast spirit within me, one that does not waver when tempted Cast me not away from your presence. Because David realized that it was in God's presence that he experienced protection and power. Take your spirit not from me. You see, he had grieved God. In the Old Testament, God did actually remove his spirit from Saul. But we know in the New Testament, we are sealed. As we are believers, we are sealed by God's spirit. And it's not like every time we sin, he removes his spirit from us. He doesn't do that. But when we do sin, that sin comes in the way of us experiencing the full presence of God's Spirit, His power, His protection, His wisdom, His direction. Sometimes we want to be forgiven, but we don't necessarily want to change. David says this, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. He would know. It's not genuine. So on a regular basis, I need to hear myself say to God, God, will you continue your work changing me? God, will you make me more like your son? So that I don't even, I'm not even attracted by this sin. It doesn't even appeal to me anymore. God, give me your heart, the heart of Jesus. I don't want to be known by this sin. I need to say that on a regular basis. God, I need your victory. In this area of my life. And lastly, seven, a genuine confession administers grace to others. As David was experiencing God's grace, he went on to pray Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, that the God who saves and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. You know, I think one of the ways, the strongest ways that people can get a taste of God's grace, the God that they cannot see, is when they experience grace from you, the person they do see. That when they sin against you, when you share God's grace to them, they get a picture of a gracious God. They can sense of what that feels like, what that would be, to God when you forgive others you give them a taste of God our willingness to forgive others is an indication that we are genuine when we come before God and appeal to our his grace because when we realize what we've sinned against God a holy God the creator of the universe that really what other humans even though it, I'm not belittling anything someone might do to you but really pales in comparison to what we've done with God and if we say God I want your forgiveness but are unwilling to forgive others you see a heart that grabs on to the sins of others and will not let it go is not a heart that can receive God's grace that's why Jesus at the end of the Lord's Prayer says for if you forgive men when they sin against you your Heavenly Father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. A heart that longs for God's grace is a heart that is willing to extend that grace to others. So if someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, and you long to be forgiven by God, extend His grace to them. But what happens if someone has sinned against you, but they never come? They never come to you and apologize and ask for forgiveness. What do you do then? Some may be tempted to go to them and say, you know what, I forgive you. That doesn't always work out very well, especially if they don't think they've done anything wrong. And I think sometimes that even short circuits what God needs to do in their heart. But I do believe in your own heart before God. God as you talk to God about what they've done to you, that you have to release it in God's presence. You have to say, I forgive them. Even though you're not saying it to them, you are saying it to God. You're saying it to yourself. You're saying, because of your grace, I forgive them. So that anger and bitterness does not grow up within you and do damage. Maybe you need to hear these words this morning from Isaiah 59, two, 3. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue muttered wicked things. Maybe even this week. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. That is the reality the Bible speaks of. When David was confronted, what did he do? He went to God and confessed. When you are confronted with this truth, what do you do? Maybe you also need to hear these words from Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever and whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse forever. Maybe you need to hear the words from Psalm 32, 1-2. to Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. 2 Peter 3, for Christ died for sins, your sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Your sins have separated you from God, but Christ is willing to bring you to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, forgiven, cleansed. And lastly, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that is the good news for you this morning and for me let's pray whether this is your first time confessing to god or or maybe you've done it many times like we all should i invite you just to humble your heart a contrite heart god does not despise david said a broken heart contrite heart God will listen to take a moment and appeal to God's grace this morning acknowledging to him that you know it's not based on anything you have done but only his character that you can even approach his throne of grace celebrate his love for you his mercy His compassion. Take a moment to acknowledge your sin to God specifically. Maybe even things that happened this week. Take a moment to affirm the hurt that it's caused sometimes it's tempting to think it doesn't hurt anybody but it does it hurts us hurt god's heart his heart hurts others does damage always sin always damages always destroys in your own words ask him for forgiveness Take a moment to accept maybe the consequences that you have been experiencing because of it. And to know that even God's grace can be found in that. Mm -hmm. To help you and I to hate sin. To resist it next Time. time. Ask God to change you. Creating you a new heart that beats after His, that longs for holiness, for truth, for wisdom to reign in your life. Speak to God about maybe the sins of others. Maybe someone has really hurt you this week. ask him for strength to let it go the wisdom on how to help how to deal with that relationship and all of God's people say amen And amen.